What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, episode 11, Racking Change. Battle Mallet Podcast is a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers. Uh, our annual trip to the Nova Open convention, uh, playing the games that we love and balancing life with those games. Uh, I'm Jared. I'm here with Trace. I am not a goat. <laughs> Jason. Uh, I am also not an animal. And Danny. <laughs> ah, it's just me, guys. Sorry. It's, it's, it happens to the best of us. Um, yeah, so uh, racking change this episode. Uh, a lot of big things coming out. Uh, you know, announcements coming out of, of Gen Con and the big Armageddon Day at Warhammer World at the GWHQ. Uh, in this episode, we've got a hot dissection, kind of talking about those announcements um, and the uh, the kind of unforeseen release of the Dreadfane box game. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Kellar's Fall, which is our narrative campaign that we're going to slowly work our way through. Uh, we've got a crack glass segment talking about the upcoming season three. So part of the the announcements, Beast Grave, Warhammer Underworld's Beast Grave, will be season three, um, and uh, you know, talking a little bit about the results of Gen Con, and then we'll close out the show. But before we dig into the meat, uh, what's everybody been up to? Trace? I said I'm not a goat, but I've been painting lots of them. Yeah, you have. Still <laughs> still to just, this day. Just slogging through, slogging through the Beastmen um, and just trying to get those, you know, to a nice standard. Not, not, um, not trying to win any awards with them or anything like that, but just trying to plug away. I got some... Lots of lots of ungores and gores and best of gores and all the gores and your mama's gores. Red gore. <laughs> this Red. paint. Yep, yep, red gores. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. And then um, been kind of experimenting with some stuff that we'll talk about a little later in the show um, with a new little box game that we got. Um. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Cool. Danny? Uh, I have been literally painting until my eyes blur, which is a new thing for me. Makes me feel like I'm getting old. And there's I'm seeing blue when I close my eyelids because it's just all ultramarines <laughs> all the time right now. Uh, but knocked out a decent chunk. Got more or less all of my intercessors tabletop ready so it's just the infiltrators and the tanks and we're we're on our way to nova from there and also tweaking my nova lord of the rings list because faqs happen at the 11th hour (laughs) oh no a fun thing yep yeah they faq'd a whole bunch of stuff in the middle earth battle strategy game and one of the things they changed was how you allocate siege engines Basically, they, they put a leader tax on them, so you have to have leaders of a uh, certain level or higher for each siege weapon. And my doubles list, I had one leader and two siege weapons, so yeah, <laughs> that's no longer going to work. And the best part was they literally dropped that change on the last day of eligibility for Nova. If it had happened the next day, it would Nova wouldn't have accepted those changes. So I also got the email from the lovely person running the group who was very kind and very excited about it all and said, yep, we are taking all these changes on board. So 
that was kind of a bummer, uh, especially because I'm not really super familiar with the game and all of my playtime has been with that setup. So I was more just kind of banking on the idea of being familiar with my list rather than familiar with the game in general. So I'm a little back to the drawing board, but I don't think it's really going to affect me too much. I might have to paint one or two you know, foot soldiers, really small miniatures. So it's not going to really slow me down on that front either. Just minorly frustrating, but it seems like it's a good change for the game. So I'll suck it up and we'll we'll move on. You don't have to buy any more miniatures, do you? I don't think so. I Honestly, I haven't looked because I'm just in straight ultramarine mode. But uh, I'm pretty sure I have at least two spearmen somewhere on a sprue. So cool. should be good That's to good. go. Just means one of my beautifully painted ballistas is just going to sit in my, my case for all of Nova now and never see the sunshine. Oh. You should just get it out and like mount it on a hat or something. Like <laughs> I was thinking maybe, graduation. Yeah, I was thinking maybe I would just kind of, uh, you know, let them take turns, right? Like first game will be ballista A, second game ballista B, so they oh, don't get go. jealous, you know. Yeah, that's cool, Jason. Well, I've gotten a lot of hobby stuff done because you know I spent money this oh. past few weeks uh i picked up war cry this past week and um i also picked up dreadfane so i have actually been assembling lots of miniatures i am almost all the way through war cry uh, i know that we were trying to get in a game this past uh saturday couldn't happen there only because i had to watch two tiny children and i could not assemble models all day i was sad but um Loving, loving the models. Models are great. Um, can't wait to roll some dice with uh, Warcry. I did get a demo game in of Warcry. Uh, and although it looks very simplistic on the front end uh, with the stat lines, I think that movement shenanigans are going to really add a lot of depth to that game. Um, and then I w- I've been playing a ton of Underworlds. So as we'll talk about later, uh, a friend of the podcast, Jimmy, went is going to going to went to gen con uh, so him and i uh, went through a lot of deck iterations um throwing his reavers up against them um so with that i've been playing a lot of different warbands like mole i played molog believe it or not guys i had to play molog this past week um and i've never played him and and then a lot of the queens which has me rethinking what i want to take to nova because i've been all about god's horn hunt but uh some of those other warbands are are a heck of a lot of fun, um, so we'll see what what the next few weeks here bring for me from diving into Underworlds even more. So that's that's where where I've been. What about you, Jared? Uh, so finished the Blood Reavers um, and passed those off to Trace this weekend, and then noticed two things that uh, did not get painted. So it's like the banding on a top knot and the skull on an axe. So I don't feel terrible about it. <sighs> There it is. Heavy sigh. <laughs> um, but uh, Trace had the bases, or he had the flocking for the bases, so he put the little our like cool teal bluish static grass on the bases, and he's got those in hand now. So, um, And then I've been working on the Wrathmongers, and I, uh, I actually finished them up this afternoon. So uh, before we started recording, I was uh, ever so carefully taking them off their bases because I may or may not have put like an inch long slice in the tip of my thumb taking blood reavers off of their original bases so that we can put them on our realm of metal bases um i can so 
because you made a sacrifice to the blood god, you guys are guaranteed victory. Uh, yes. I, that's what I'm assuming, yes. So metal. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's Games Workshop games as the designers intended them in the late 80s. It is known. It is known, yep. Now I know something instead of nothing. Um, so I've been working on those, and then uh, I did get to play uh, a couple of games of Shadespire. Uh, still not happy with the Yotharis Guardians after the bar. Um, so I think I'm going to follow in Jason's footsteps and try to play some different things, you know, for maybe a week or so. Uh, we have three weeks before Nova, so maybe just try to get out of the mindset for Yotharis and play some other things and see if I can tighten up activation choices or figure out, you know, different ways to approach the game that, uh, you know, I haven't been able to get my head around. Um, I think I'm looking forward to that. I think that will be a refreshing exercise for you. And really, you know, for our listeners, you, I mean, you hit, you hit on triple right away. Like you knew the way you wanted to play him, you knew the deck construction and, and really for any tabletop game, sometimes you just got to kind of wipe the slate clean and, and get a refresher. And it's another thing of underworlds that we all love is you can pick up a war band and, and play weak and get that reset. So you can go back and be great with the trees again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that, that, uh, that I'll be able to make things work. And if I can't, there are, how many other warbands? 17. 11? 17 other warbands. Yeah, that I could choose from. So it's not like I uh, am hurting for options. So, and with that, I have uh, assembled the condemners out of Dreadpaint. So the sequitur models, they're the easy to build sequiturs. Um, and I actually built all eight of my cypher lords uh, for Warcry. So um, I actually made some decent progress this week as far as hobby things go. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to you guys both like tooling around with new decks too, because it gives me an opportunity to get some practice games in without you guys like knowing the decks like the back of your hand. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm, I'm excited about doing that. <laughs> yeah, that should be good. So, Danny, are you excited about deck changes? So stoked! No, no. Like I'm, I'm speechless. I, I couldn't be more excited. Like <laughs> Avengers Endgame got nothing on these deck changes guys so happy to hear it so happy <laughs> to hear it um so yeah so goats and blood for the blood god and deck building and darn you gw faqs i think that pretty yeah. much sums it up yeah covers that, it that, that's it hit all the bases nice so uh yeah so we'll take a break and then uh we'll kick into the hot dice segment so talk didn't about slice your thumb news. on that set of bases did you no i did not <laughs> we'll be what? right back welcome back to our hot dice section hot hot oh. hot yeah these dice are hot tonight, folks. Uh, we have a lot of things to talk about with two GW previews coming out in the same week, uh, touching us on all the feels of the things that we love or don't love. Uh, first up, we have more information on Beastgrave with 
another trailer that shows models. And those models appeared at Gen Con. And, oh, I am excited. So, uh, with that, Trace, dramatic pause. What do you think about the two new factions in Beastgrave? Uh, I think the big standout is there's no Stormcast in the starter. No way! <laughs> I'm so uh, disappointed. I don't even know if that's legal. I don't know what GW's done. They've lost their mind. They've broken the cycle of everything and not put Stormcast in the starter. Um, I think I think that that's actually a really bold and good move on their part. Um, because I think the Stormcast ship has not sailed, but people are kind of like, oh, yeah, Stormcast again. You know, that kind of thing. So, but the two factions that are in there are um, the Beastmen, and then there's another group which are called the Karnathi, which um, it's Scaith's Wild Hunt is the new ones, and they're basically like Centaur and um what are the what are the mythical creatures that were satyrs. like the satyrs yeah they're like satyr yeah. wood elves they look like the guy from uh lion witch in the wardrobe yeah scarf yep yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah yep um but the beastman models look really cool mr. i think tumnus the, sorry tumnus, yeah mr yep. tumnus yep um and it looks like both of them have wizards in their starting warbands from what you can kind of squint and see in the card previews so um we know for sure one of them is a beastman shaman and then i guess one of the other ones is a is a wizard as well so i think it's going to be really neat i'm excited about the new sculpts and can't wait to get my hands on them and start getting some games out yeah and i did see uh on the facebooks or the book of faces that there's a book a novel that is supposed to be accompanying Mm -hmm. the underworlds with a release date or pre-order date of September 21st. Happy birthday to me. There you mm-hmm. go. Yep. So. So it's right around the corner, which kind of lines up with every year that we've done this. Um, you know, we went to Nova last year, and shortly after, we ended up getting our new season of of Underworlds. So yeah. the thing that's going to be kind of a fun thing for us to do each year is get to wrap up the season with all the full war bands for every season and the you know it's all in full effect and then we go back to square one and start over again yes we do danny you know last episode we talked about models tickling your fancy do either of these war bands tickle your down under parts <laughs> uh not they uh one of them gently caresses the under parts but none of them particularly tickle it's like an accidental brush against uh, the beastmen because some of the beastmen models are pretty tight like i like the um the two bigger models i don't know like i know there's like best gores and all sorts of stuff i don't know my lore enough to to tell you which ones but the big models in that set are freaking awesome uh the regular kind of guys that look kind of like ogres with fur feet not really into those and then the, the elves the ungores is that what those are yeah, they they they're not really doing it for me, but the elves those are cool. Like again, my thing is like GW makes incredible models and they look fantastic from a technical standpoint, but design wise they're just not doing a lot for me. The one one of the ungores that Jason and I have already talked about that we both like a whole lot is there's one that's like literally carving a line across his chest. 
Yes. With his knife, which is amazing. Super cool. That is <laughs> my that is my favorite. It's pretty thematic, like the blood sacrifices and all that stuff mm-hmm. for the, the yeah. Beast of Chaos. And then Jared, you being an elf lover, what about the other faction? Are we, are we going to see a shift from the treeple to the the beast bull? Is that a word? <laughs> the, the, the beast? Yeah, I don't know. The, the deer bull? I don't know what they are. Um, I don't know. Uh, given the, the recent bar, we might see a shift away from the treeple before then. But, um, I mean, I, I think they're definitely cool. Um, I have yet to have jumped into the any of the factions from a starter box to date so i don't know if i will just hold that record on principle or um or if i'll, I'll jump in i think either warband uh looks like they'd be fun to play um are going to af- offer different challenges to what i normally play anyway because the beastman is six models and the the deer puller five right deer, deer pull you heard it here first yeah they're five okay yeah so but I would have my like free uh, calculated risk into martyr with the the cat thing if I took the deer pull. So, <laughs> so we'll we'll be back in a crack last section later in this episode to talk about bold season three predictions, uh, and I'm very excited to give you all my thoughts on that. So we're going to move past beast grave. Needless to say, three of us are super excited to get season three underway and get these models in hand. Um, but that ties in with the other thing that was really big in the hot dice new products this week uh, was Dreadfane for Underworlds. It's like an Underworlds theme. Um, and for those of you that are not familiar, Dreadfane is a standalone Barnes and Noble Underworld game. It's called Underworld Dreadfane. It comes with two factions and a different set of rules. Um, but those two factions have been confirmed to be able to be used in the full set of Underworlds. Um, so we're pretty excited about that here. And I'm I'm pretty sure we all got it, right? Like it all arrived Wednesday? Yep. Yes. Uh, Danny? No? Yeah, my copy arrived three years ago. Oh, so man. Man. <laughs> um, so, you know, initial thoughts on, on Dreadfane, Jared? I know you've really been up on a lot of the the tech and the posts and stuff like that you were one to discover or coincide with the first day you could order it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it came out on Facebook. Um, I think Amon from, uh, hexes and more bands put something out about ordering it that day. And I, I gave him a hard time, like it's not going to come out. And then it totally got the ship notification and like a good little lamb, I immediately put in my pre-order for it. Um, yeah, but, you know, looking through it, I think the, so there's two factions. There's the Age of Sigmar Sequiturs, which are Iron Souls Condemners, I That's think. That's correct. Iron and Souls then, Condemners, yep. And, and then, um, and Lady then there's Heroes, the, Mournflight. Mournflight, yeah. So they're the Mirmorn Banshees mm-hmm. um, from Age of Sigmar. So I, I think just at the offset, my best guess is that the Mirborn Banshees are a little bit more potent. But the Condemners, if you took... Steelheart's champions and you just made them all better that's basically what you're getting so if you know if you've got some some thoughts or ideas on you know how to run a good Steelheart's champions warband then you'll probably be able to do the same or better um with the condemners so uh i think i might try to take a crack at a couple of condemners decks between now and nova just to see if there's something that tickles my fancy um or just to get out of my rut of triple playing but 
the rules look interesting. There's a lot of changes. Um, it, normally in Shadespire if you, or Underworlds, if you kill uh, an enemy fighter, you get one glory. In Dreadfane, you get two for a kill. And so that's one big change. Um, the, uh, the action of going on guard means that you can't be driven back. As another big change. And then there are a lot of other subtle little changes. There are keywords that are added that basically provide keywords for rules that already exist. So scything means you attack you know, all adjacent models. Um, and then there's a, a new kind of rule called ensnare, which basically means that you ignore dodges on defense dice. Um, and then there's, a, I think there's some other subtle changes in there. But I'm actually interested in playing it um, with my wife since the decks are pre-built. So there's no thought that needs to go into that aspect of the game. And at that point, it just becomes, you know, like any other board game. So the idea that you can, you know, open it up, your deck's already made. Uh, it's designed in that fashion uh, should be interesting. And then there's also the hazards, which provide like in-turn circumstances. So like you might have to discard two power cards and draw two power cards. So it makes it more like a board game. There's some more randomness involved than you know, like the hyper-competitive mode that we get into with regular Underworld stuff. But uh, the models, of course, are amazing. And, uh, I mean, I think it looks pretty cool. So I'm excited to actually play it and then to also play the Warbands within, um, you know, actual Underworlds competition. So basically what you're saying is Dread, Dreadfane, full standalone board game, and then it does have faction cards, which you then can use universal cards from the full Underworlds game and build a deck around these war bands. Right. Okay. Yep. Trace, anything you're super excited about for Dreadfane? I know you've been tinkering with decks as well. Yeah, I think um, I think it's going to be an interesting addition to the game, um, at least at this stage, because this is kind of a unexpected surprise for all of us, um, especially since... GW's confirmed that like if it's been released in your country, you you're allowed to use it in in tournaments and grand clashes as long as you know the grand clashes especially, the local tournaments kind of here and there depending on whether or not it's been available in that area. Um, overall, I'm kind of agreeing with Jared's assessment about which the warbands so far. I do think that Lady Heroes are a little are a little stronger. Um, just at you know. First glance, I'm not, you know, I have this completely um, unfounded speculation. But um, I think a lot of the stuff that Iron Souls does, they kind of want you to be kind of, at least from my opinion, they want you to be aggressive, but their Inspire mechanic, uh, which is, you know, you have to roll a critical on either attack or defense dice. Um, it's not for me. Definitely not for me. Because I just don't <laughs> roll crits, um, but I think that the that Lady Harrow's has some interesting synergies that may not require you just to go out and beat your opponent in the face. Um, so I've been kind of exploring that, and um, a couple standout cards that I think are just going to be interesting that are really powerful. One of them is. Um, Oh, let me find it really quick. It's um, Dominion of Death. Um, this is kind of a 
this card is score this card in the third end phase if you have the scored the most objective cards. So if you've basically been able to hit on your objectives, then and you've scored more than your opponent, then you'll score three glory at the end of the game, which I think is a really powerful card. Um, because if you can just deny one or two of your opponent's objectives by being KG or getting a fighter off the battlefield or whatever, um, I think that you can you can score that not rel not relatively easy, but um, but I think it's an interesting card. And then there's some other cards in there too that everybody there's been a bunch of people that have already covered a lot of this stuff, so I'm not going to get into all that. But um, I do think that there's some synergy there. But I'm excited about them. Cool. And then with it being a board game and being Danny's wheelhouse, Danny, like, could I interest you in a game of Warhammer Underworld's Dreadfang? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I've always, in, like, I have, we can talk about this some other time. I have my issues with the core idea of that game in general and how it plays, but I love the idea of just having kind of like pre-purposed decks and just simple, almost, you know, pack and play setup uh, because while I understand for the competitive gamer building a deck is, you know, that's what it's all about, you know, and, and tailoring that and really lavishing over the details of how you want your warband to play and finding synergies. And that's, that's really cool. It's just not, not me. Um, but the idea of like, Hey, yeah, this deck is pre-built and it's balanced against this other deck that's pre-built and we can just kind of throw down and, and have some silliness. That's, that's super appealing to me. So yeah, you could definitely get me to play that. Well, fantastic. Um, one thing to note, those decks are both 20 cards each. So they have more universe, they have more specific cards tailored to them than any other faction in the game right now. Hmm. So it's a full 10, uh, 10 upgrades and 10 ploys for them in the, in the box. That's an astute observation trace. Hmm. I think we'll get hmm. back to that leader in the bold predictions for season three. Sweet. Well, cool. I mean, I know, Jared, you've emailed Nova to see if these warbands will be uh, allowed, uh, given the fact that it's they're not readily available. And I do believe the original release date through Barnes & Noble was the end of August. Um, but you, I think you received a response back, correct? Yeah, so they said that... Um, so I emailed about whether the warbands would be legal and then the two new keywords, Scything and Ensnare, specifically. And they responded in the affirmative that yes... The warbands will be allowed at Nova, and that they would just use the interpretation, the definition of the rule from the Dreadbane rulebook, um, which makes sense because it's not a, a an ability that has not existed, you know, before. Um, so scything means attack all adjacent enemy fighters, and ensnare will mean ignore dodges on defense dice. Um, and then there, you know, from the community, there were other questions um, that were more, you know, more nuanced about activations and you know the guard um, scenario so um, if you look on the Warhammer Underworlds community Facebook group or Warhammer Underworlds community Facebook community um, I put a post up announcing that I had asked about Nova and I'll continue to follow up on that thread as I get more feedback and you cool. can check our page too because I'll I'll put it out like on our Twitter and and stuff when we get a full answer i'll put the whole answer so that it's all out there not the hero we deserve but the hero we need jared <laughs> i'll do what i can well good 
Well, we'll we'll close the book right now in the hot dice section on Underworld. Wait. Well, wait. What? Yeah, you're 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 just seriously. Me, wow. Man. Just no, no, no. I said on Underworlds, gentlemen. You need oh, to slow oh, down. I'm leaving this section. You're right. You're <laughs> right. I don't know if I want to go where you're going. B. Jeez, Louise. So close the book on Underworlds as we've had two sections in hot dice on that topic and moving into more grim dark content my bad yeah yeah stay with me because <laughs> we got a huge huge announcement this weekend from the second preview at the the gw day at the their their hq now it's been teased if you're following us on facebook uh, i did post some pictures on a space marine lieutenant uh, that's been circulating around. Um, but the full announcement of Space Marines came um, this past weekend. And a new Space Marines Codex. Wow. Like, Shocker. Yeah. I was not expecting a full Space Marines. No, I was not. Really? No. I was. I thought that was maybe one of the most obvious things that was going to happen when they released those models. What did you think they were going to do? Just give data sheets for them? Yeah, I was thinking a supplement. I I did not think it would be a full codex. I thought it would get the Chaos like 2.0 kind of update where it would not invalidate the old book. But then you would get this book where you have the additional data sheets and stuff. Um, but a full, full reboot within 8th, right? So that's really, really cool though. We're not changing editions and I don't, I cannot remember a time where a codex came out within an edition and then was replaced by another codex within that same edition. Has that ever happened before? Uh, didn't that happen in sixth the Space Marines? Didn't we get two Space Marine codexes in sixth? I don't recall. Mm. I'm looking oh. at my shelf. Sure. <laughs> um, but the other, the other cool thing of that was, now yep, the Codex are, are two. I'm pretty sure there's two. I've got these two Codex Space Marines Codex. That might have been the shift from the end of 6th into early 7th, maybe. Maybe right. But who can tell? Someone if anyone has tell us we're wrong. If, if anyone has done it before, it would have only been the Space Marines. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Trace, Chaos Space Marines to the 3.5? Chaos 3.5? Was that a brand new Codex? Uh, yes, but I wasn't really playing them in, so okay. I'm not right. a valid source of right. information for that. So this this is a rabbit hole to yeah, where we are uninformed. Did it. We, Let's move on. Move on. on. <laughs> Can't fact check. Somebody that's listening to Google fact checked us and let us know if we're wrong. Uh, but anyway, then the supplements, and that was kind of something that I thought was cool. We talked about that uh, as a group back in... Um, seventh and sixth when the supplements started to come out for space marines um like how cool would it be if every faction basically had a supplement um you know danny's lucky enough he gets his day one you big old jerk um, <laughs> hey man when you pick the front runner it only helps but what are our thoughts on league when white scars is the second one i mean that's that's strange i oh, i like it actually I like it, but I think it is strange considering what, especially what Primaris miniatures are available right now. Because, like, 
when you think of white scars, you think of bites, bikes, and land speeders. And those yeah. aren't things that the Primaris Marines have, which might be something they might be getting in the near future. But as of right now, it's kind of an odd one. Yeah. But I like it because I like the white scars. I think they're cool as hell. And what do we think about two additional Space Marine characters now being Primaris-sized? All about it. Really? So You're down with it? You're down? Uh, so I am a sucker for a good reboot all the time like movies tv shows now miniatures and from the moment that they redid karn like trace will tell you i geeked out so hard and i don't even play chaos but i was like this is just so cool Mm -hmm. that they redid this model with the new technology and just like they captured the essence of that original model and they did it with araman they did it with marnius calgar they did it with with tiberius like typhus too like it's so cool when they redo these models, and so I'm I'm here for it. And a big guy named Abaddon too. Oh, that one is real cool. That like, there's just so many of them, but but like, it's not it, it's not just redoing the model. It's like you're changing the story where this is like some strange process that they could die, and now we'll have three three models that have gone through the Rubicon. Yeah, I I get it from a fluff standpoint, but I think at this point, like the space marine fluff to rule relationship is like wildly all over the place and i'm kind of of the mental space where like primaris is very clearly the future of the space marine line like they are not going to continue designing traditional space marines and so i'm just kind of looking at it as like this is just a new tigurius model doesn't the primaris thing doesn't really weigh on me because like if we're going to get a new Tigarius model, it's going to have to be Primaris. Like, they're never going to make him normal. I mean, I get, like, yes. And that, that this is the nail in the coffin for the old Space Marines, right? Like, this is, we've now seen that this is, we've all speculated, we all knew it was coming, but this confirms. Um, you know, they, they did leak some of the rules, and, and Jared, they even included Grey Knights. What do you think? They did. So uh, what is it? Is it Shock Assault? Is that the name of the rule? Yes. Yeah, so any units with this rule, when they are charged, when they perform a charge, they are charged, or perform a heroic intervention, they get an additional attack. And they said that it even applies to Grey Knights, and Trace, it even applies to Chaos Marines. So I don't know. I was going to interrupt you, but you did it for me anyway. That's right. (laughs) So it makes me wonder, like, okay, Grey Knights with... Nemesis Force Falchions already have two attacks, so now they have three attacks on the charge, or when they are charged. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to be done there. I mean, I can't count as high as the number of attacks count that Corn Berserkers will get now if they're oh my gosh. with this. So. Crazy, yeah. Because World Eaters already get an additional attack when yep, they charge, it's a are charged, or perform a heroic intervention. Weavers yep. are going to have four attacks. I four think, attacks apiece. Yep. Blades. Good old four strength four AP not attacks. So strong. Right, hey, Jason? I mean, it's okay. They're Let's good. not go down this rabbit hole again. <laughs> buckets of dice or buckets Check back dice, a couple man. episodes if you want to hear the thoughts on Jason's views of Reavers and, and uh, Danny's views of Reavers. Well, but that just that, the fact that they're redoing the Codex, like, make Reavers great again. <laughs> I oh. bet they will be tweaked. I, I will be... I would I would guess that they're going to be tweaked. It would be yeah, that's true. And that, yeah, and that's a great that's a great segue into the model range. And my favorite model of the model range is the Reavers Lieutenant. Oh, Lots so of good. motion in it. 
So I will be getting it, even though Reavers are not my favorite right now. Um, what else? I mean, Trace, what's your favorite model of the new range that they've announced? Uh, get away from her, you bitch. That's my favorite one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, I really do like the uh, the the loader. It's just it's just a ridiculous model. Yeah, <laughs> I love not, I love the hip mounted heavy and, loader, and it has four infantry shredding shredding <laughs> heavy stubbers on it. Ugh. You know what it actually reminds me of more is the Walker from Avatar. It oh, does. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the Walker from Avatar. The the knuckle up robots from the Matrix and yeah. the yeah. Uh, and then Ripley in Aliens with the yeah, loader. That's awesome. Like all of them combined. Let's like they just took all of those and be like, let's make all the open cockpit robots that we've seen in the movies and shove them into one <laughs> dreadnought body. I I'm with you, Trace. I really, really like it, and it's getting a lot of hate online. Like, I really like it. I don't know why. I just do. Really, really like it. I think it's a nice model. I just, to me, it doesn't feel Space Marine. Like, I, design-wise, it has all the, the looks of Space Marine, but the idea of this, like, cockpit walker, just, it feels very Yeah, like, who would do that? Who would, who would well, I know the that, Grey Knights have a model that. like that the linchpin of their competitive format right now? But I mean, even that is different from this, right? Like, yeah, like it just and that was weird when it came out too. It just it, it it doesn't feel like something. It's unexpected, which is not a bad thing. It's just it's still not really getting. Okay, we'll see if you're saying the same thing when the sisters come out. What are they called? Penitent engines, right? Yeah, is it the same? Yep. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because those the are... difference. The difference <laughs> there, though, is you have a <laughs> psychically crazed psych. Uh, psychopath driving a engine with chainsaws for hands like that's that's the difference through blood like yeah i mean it's fine you're just a hypocrite that's all it is oh okay (laughs) as long as as we're being clear i get i get what you're saying it doesn't feel very space marine but i you know robots with pilots sticking out of the front hey man the heart wants what the heart wants you know yep i get it that's true So yeah, I, I I mean it's a cool concept for sure. It's just I think for me when I think about like one of the reasons why I didn't why I like the Redemptor is like it still had and I get that these are not dreadnoughts so don't at me, but like the dreadnought was like there's something so cool about the concept of the dreadnought and like the revered near dead warrior, you know being brought back for like the only most dire of occasions and then it's like yeah. but then we also just built kind of one that you can ride around in for fun. Like, yeah, that's that's just kind of weird to me. It takes all the weight out of the only in death does duty end. Yeah, or you know, only when you're tromping through the jungle. Yep. <laughs> okay, so so Danny, yeah, so critical of the models. What do you have any favorites? In this? No, I like I I only dislike the one model. Oh, okay, okay. What's your favorite then of the new announced models? My favorite is that Corsaro Khan model is freaking awesome. Yeah, it's pretty. Like him holding the head, the bird on his shoulder, put a bird on it. I'm there. Uh, also, the whole kind of cool Mongolian vibe that they've really, you know, did, like leaned so hard into on it. It's just a really cool reimagining of that character. And I'm very curious to see if they ever create a Primaris version of him on some kind of bike because that's what the Khan does. 
Do you think yeah. that because he's Mongolian, he'll get a special role to knock down your shitty wall? <laughs> South Park reference, people. South Park reference. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe so. But I think that's more of an Imperial Fist thing, right? It is. Hey, Jared, then. Jared, the last one goes to you. What's your favorite? Um, you know, I think that the the Reaver Lieutenant is 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 pretty is pretty cool. Um, you know, none of them really jump out at me. I'm not your stock space marine player so uh, i mean they all look like the sculpts in and of themselves are all really cool but like i think it's that that reaver lieutenant is probably the one that jumps out at me the most but one thing i did note in the release statement that came out on sunday they were talking about the chapter tactics and there are eight chapter tactics and 19 successor tactics yep yeah that's i wanted to say something about that and the idea of supplements like they showed a whole bunch of supplements and they also made specific note of uh like uh, of how different chapters are going to interact and what they're going to have access to now and i think we're definitely on the path of like no longer having a dark angels codex but having a dark angels supplement to a space marines codex yeah i think the same thing for blood angels space wolves like i I truly believe that's where they're going, which I think makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. there are so many repeated data sheets between, the, you know, a Dark Angels Codex, a Blood Angels mm-hmm. Codex, a Space Wolves Codex, and the regular Codex Space Marines. I think it makes sense to put as many shared entries as you can in a single book yep. and then only sell the book that, like, specific chapter players will need. And it'll kind of stop these kind of weird loopholes where, like, this one book was printed first, so it didn't have this unit. And then this next book was printed second, so now it has that unit. Well, the unit, like, should have been in the first army, but they just don't have it, so sorry, you're screwed. Like, boom, print out all the Space Marine generic stuff in one book and then supplements to supplement. So, wild speculation moment, tinfoil hat. Um, You, in the new White Dwarf... In the Blood Ravens stuff, this has been pointed out that I saw on on the internet somewhere. Um, one of the predators in there, it looks like a predator. It has a salt cannon on the top, and it has hurricane bolters on the side. And it is not what? like a land raider or anything. It's like sitting right there in the middle of the picture, and it's got. So I don't know if they're gonna give like new vehicle rules or what. I mean, that's not a stock kit obviously yeah um, there, there was another and they may be incorporating it and i think where you're going is the supplements allow them to do that correct but like different that, variants on different vehicles and yeah. stuff like that that model in particular was a kit bash that's been around for for quite some time like i, I it appeared um it's a customer's army from over there and it's just like a random but that doesn't mean that they didn't take that random kit and go down the route where it's you're saying, which is adding the variety of models. And that would be my question, you know, to the group and to really everybody is I think you're all right. I think that they're incorporating all these. And I think Danny mentioning like the dark angels getting folded into a supplement, but how do they differentiate? Like, because we lost that. Like, it's one of the reasons why I moved away from Dark Angels when we went into 8th is not only because I had all these Primaris that were printed up as Crimson Fist, but the flavor of what made the Dark Angels Dark Angels 
was lost by having access to all of the units of Codex Space Marine and a lot of the, the vanilla rules. So with them releasing supplements, is your prediction that we're going to get a, a large model range for each, with each supplement or just one model? I would think... I mean, I, yeah, go ahead, Trey, sorry. I don't know that you're going to get any, like, new models with this. I think your new models are already presented to you and the... Uh, in the new like scout vehicles and stuff like that. I think that's that's what they're introducing with the new codex. And I think what you'll see probably with the supplements is you'll be like you won't see you'll see your units that are unique to that faction, right? So like you'll see like dark shrouds and all that other stuff for dark angels. But I think you'll also see this army cannot use these units listed below in codex based marines. So it's just something that we've noticed with Warcry, right? They're starting to get smart about not reprinting things they don't need to reprint, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've, re- you know, they made all the Warcry cards in every single language in one pack. So, like, you have everything you need, and they just have to do one print run of them. So, to me, the logical thing for them to do is just to say, if you're playing Dark Angels with this supplement you cannot use x x x x and x right um and from codex space marines all other units are available to you um because like you guys said there's just a lot of reprinting and all this other stuff i, I think well, that's where you're what you're gonna see well i also think like i think you're kind of looking at it from a somewhat narrow viewpoint because if you look at the description of these new uh, supplements, like Ultramarines are going to have their own specific psychic powers. Mm-hmm. White Scars are going to have their own specific psychic powers. I would not be surprised to see them have specific um, detachments that they can run. I would not be surprised to see them have some kind of flashback to the formation rules, things that kind of help you, guide you, in building your army to make it have that flavor in new ways. Cause it's going to be a whole book. And if it's just some data sheets and some fluff, I don't think they would go through that trouble. Yeah. I wasn't, I definitely I wasn't, wasn't talking suggesting. To you, yeah. I was, I meant the narrow to Jason. Cause he was talking about like it just being about gotcha. releasing new models and miniatures. Well, cool. I do think that we'll at least get one named character reprint with every like, I would, model. Yeah. I would, I, I would agree. You're like, you'll probably get, Azrael in the Dark Angels. Yeah. Probably Vulcan. get a new Pedro. Yep, new Vulcan. Like all, all the chapter masters, basically. Yeah, good old Pedro. And just invalidate my whole veteran thing. Although I do want Pedro Primaris-sized. It would be cool. I think a Primaris Dante would look cool as hell. Yep, that would be pretty sweet. I'm a, I'm a, I want to see some Primaris Wolfback guys. Get them on, on wolves. On Primaris wolves. wolves. Yes. Yeah, it'll be it, that part will be interesting. I mean, because they're the size do, of Mauler fiends. <laughs> <laughs> to do like the Raven Wing and stuff justice, um, you'd have to bring out bikes, and that's why I'm I'm shocked at White Scars being first, just because those those type of units, which are known for like Born in the Saddle, um, aren't available in Primaris yet. So. Yeah. It's, but it's cool. It's exciting. It's awesome that Danny and I have a brand new codex two weeks before Nova. It'll be amazing. <laughs> so Woo! good. So, but awesome guys. 
Uh, a lot, a lot of content, a lot of games coming out. My wallet is going to be and is hurting for many months to come. Um, but with that, you know, these hot dice are burning up my hand yet again. So we're going to drop them and be back in a few seconds. Welcome back. So this past Tuesday, you guys took part in a battle to take the sh- to take to help shape the fate of Kalar's fall, correct? We yep. did. Unfortunately, life crept on kept up on me, so I wasn't able to be there for that. So um but Jared, you and Danny threw down with some ultramarines and tyranids. We Classic did. Rivalry. Whoa. <laughs> um so Jared, why don't you tell us a little bit about the mission and what you guys played? Yeah, so uh, the setup for the the mission was supposed to be um, the Ultramarines and the Crimson Fist having come together um, to help protect um, the the major hive city on the planet um, from both the Chaos, the Black Legion warband, and from the Tyranid. Uh, like Trey said, um, you know, life finds a way to get in the way sometimes and i mean that's part of our hobby life now is is balancing life in games um and so he wasn't able to make it um and then jason had some things that he had to take care of so he wasn't able to make it so uh what was going to be a 2v2 2000 points total ended up being a 1v1 thousand points each Um, but the idea was the Imperial deployment zone was basically behind the wall of a city. Mm. Uh, and the uh, no man's land and the Tyranid slash what was going to be chaos deployment zones were, were basically the ruins outside of the city wall. Um, and there were the story is such that civilians are making their way from the outer parts of the city trying to get into the hive city to get into protection. Uh, so, uh, you know, as the Tyranid, my job was going to be to eat things. Trace was going to have his own private objective, um, which I won't spoil because I can bring it up, you know, for another future mission. Uh, and then the the mission of the Imperial forces was going to be able to rescue as many of the civilians as possible. So what I did is I have some old Kazarkin models that I used to represent, you know, batches of civilians being escorted by planetary defense forces. And so I set up the, you know, the Ultramarines deployment zone was behind a wall. And then, you know, my Tyranid deployed outside of the wall, you know, with your standard 24 inch no man's land in between. And then six figures uh, in the middle. And the figures were, we rolled for control. And then whoever got control of them got to move them. Um, and so sometimes they were running around like crazy people. I don't know if anybody ever played Command and Conquer Red Alert, but there were the, <laughs> ore, the ore mining trucks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you blew up the ore mining truck, the technician would get out and he would just like run around in random directions. So that's mm-hmm. totally what I envisioned as it was happening. So like, of course, Danny would win one and he would move it like closer to the wall. And then I would win one and be like, oh, yeah, these bugs, they're terrifying. <laughs> but but there's giant space robot men climbing and flying over the wall. Those are scary, too. <laughs> um, so so that was yeah, but that was the mission. So he was trying to rescue people and I was trying to eat things. Awesome. Well, Danny, it sounds like you had your work cut. The Ultramarines had their work cut out for them. So um, tell us what you brought to this mission to try and, you know, save all these civilians from their 
terrible, terrible deaths at the hands of the Tyranids. <laughs> so I brought some fast-moving evac vehicles in the form of two repulsors uh, who had the fly rule, which was important for getting over top of the wall because there was only two access points, and if I had to try to get through those access points, it would have been all bad. There would have been no way that I could have ever survived that mission. So I took those repulsors, filled them with five intercessors apiece and a lieutenant, and then also took some infiltrators and so we had some guys out in no man's land trying to rally these bumbling civilians uh, from turn one. And that was all I had. It was small but effective. No, Jared, the first what? time he's heard that in his life. <laughs> Savage. Yeah, your wife was the last one who told me, too. Oh! oh! Don't bring a knife to a gunfight, yo. Oh, and Jared, what did you bring to kill Danny? <laughs> so I had uh, a Trigon Prime. So going with the Jormungandr um, High Fleet so that I could pop extra units into tunnels and get that extra cover without having to spend the two command points, um, you know, in the first phase. And so I had that uh, unit of 12 Gene Stealers, a Broodlord. 22 Hormigants, 20 Termigants, 3 Tyranid Warriors, and a Hive Tyrant. Flying Hive Tyrant. So, you know, trying to represent a swarm, you know, like not a, you know, I wasn't trying to bring like the game-breaking 40 Gene Stealers with the Swarm Lord and all that nonsense. Just trying to represent the idea of a swarm, you know, moving its way through a planet. Awesome. So, sounds like you guys both had kind of thematic forces based off of what you kind of planned to do um it's kind of fitting that danny actually brought two transports to a mission where you have to try and get people out of there which i think is cool even though they by rule they can't fit because they don't have primaries keyword um jared allowed it that's right it's my mission (laughs) um so danny why don't you give us a little bit of a recap from your point of view about what how you felt the mission went all right, so like I said, from the the first turn, I had the infiltrators just camped out in no man's land, and I put them with a group of civilians. So basically, we decided that one model represented a group of five civilians. And so I put the infiltrators with them, kind of threw their big blue arms around these civilians and said, like, hey, we got you. We're going to get you back inside the wall. And then I set up the repulsors kind of on two flanks of the wall and tried to split the difference. And... Uh, obviously the idea was to get to the civilians as quickly as possible, but because of all the Tyranid craziness and mayhem and smoke and fire, those civilians didn't necessarily know that the big blue machines were the good guys. And so they would run around and I think I only ever got like one of them to get close. The rest of them, they all kind of just wandered about and, uh, brought out the repulsors and just took aim at the fastest moving creatures on the board. I just wanted to protect those civilians And then uh, a couple turns later, I was able to get my Primaris out of the repulsors and between the civilians and a fiendish mob of Hormigants, which was probably my favorite part of the whole mission. Like I literally got them out, put the gun line between, you know, me or between the civilians and the the bad guys kind of said, you know, get back to the chopper, got them in the repulsor and then just tried to hightail it out of dodge and hmm. sacrificed a lot of good men to make sure those civilians 
made it across the board because not many things that were out in that no man's land survived that day. Uh, in fact, my warlord threw himself into you know single combat with a hive tyrant with a small chance of success and died upon some giant scything claws. So whole, noble. Yeah, had a whole squad of intercessors try to you know buy time by throwing themselves at ten gene stealers and all sorts of nastiness and they eventually got eaten alive as well but bought enough time to get the repulsors back across the wall and get the civilians to safety yeah so awesome good yeah like it was i showed up a little bit late uh obviously because i didn't play Um, but it was really like epic the way the movement of the models were and it it totally you know uh captured the essence of what 40k is um did you roll for your warlord like do you have to create a new one for our campaign now is he truly dead or was he just really really injured uh we'll have to ask uh mr jared about that we hadn't talked about it yeah i haven't yeah so i haven't fully decided that um mostly because we're what three weeks out from nova Mm -hmm. (laughs) he focuses elsewhere well, yeah, I mean, I figure we're probably not going to get any campaign games in between now and then, so I've got a little time to kind of figure out how we want to roll that out. But I, I don't think on the first mission I'm going to murder his lieutenant. I think so. I think you should make him make a new one. That was, That's a noble sacrifice. That can go down in the, the halls of glory that that's he true. saved civilians. That's true. That's a, Yeah, it's, I mean, it is a thing that a space marine would do. Except if I was there, I would have shot the civilians. So that's true, that, because that is what Crimson Fist do. Yeah, save the bridge, screw the civilians. Dark day, dark day. Yep. So Jared, what do you think that you could have done that could have potentially allowed you to consume a little bit extra biomass? Uh, not fail psychic tests. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'll do it. That'll think, do it. I think in the last two turns. Of the six psychic powers I tried to cast, I got two off. Nice. I think there was one turn where literally none went off. Nice. Um, so I don't know. The Geller field around the Hive City messed with the Hive mind. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. No, uh, yeah. No, it, it was really cool, and, and I appreciated the ability to uh, partake in that cinematic moment. I think, like Danny said, like, watching those primaris disembark from the repulsor and then take their move and move between the tyranid and the civilian markers was just uh, it, like it was amazing it was definitely my favorite part of the game yeah it was so cool because they also were positioned close enough where they could kind of be like all right now you guys like at, at that point i had control of that pack of civilians so it was like now shuffle back shuffle back and it was it was it was one of those things too where like an inch in either direction, it couldn't have happened. So it was like at the last possible second, got in there and saved them. It felt very dramatic. Yeah, it was super cool. And like I said to Jared, I was like, I, that fulfilled so many Space Marine fantasies for me that, like, that that was I was just super thankful that he created a mission that allowed that to happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's tons of fun. Man, game two setting that bar high. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys have any other like overarching thoughts other other than that it was a great game and that I mean Jason gave some of his that he felt like it just captured the whole essence of 40k in a narrative game. 
Anything else for me, guys? No, I mean, I, I that's like I said to me, it was just it, one of the things I really liked about it is I did have so few models. I mean, I had sixteen men and two tanks on the table and then seeing you know these big waves of bugs it felt very That's awesome very cool so in essence repulsors do their job noble captains are noble nids can't keep their synapses in order and miss out on some easy biomass sounds like some great stuff guys can't wait to yeah. get involved in the next mission and help to shape the fate of kalar's fall <laughs> Well, I guess we'll be back in just a few minutes with the next thing. All right, everybody. It's that time again for your lovable Shadespire idiot to lead a cracked glass segment. <laughs> you know how much I love this game. I also love to hear my own voice. So let's do this thing. <laughs> when it actually works, right? <laughs> yeah. True. True, true, true. <laughs> Uh, so we have season three of Underworlds bearing down upon us. And I got to be honest, I think I'm really excited about it simply because I think it might force people to actually start calling this game Underworlds because it's wildly different than any of the other uh, expansions we've had so far. It is Warhammer Underworlds Beast Grave. You boys excited? I'm very. <laughs> <laughs> Goat Boy is ready. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Jim Brewer. I, That's I, a callback. Yeah, yeah, child of the 90s. Kind of um, so from what I can tell, there's some big old bold words on these cards. And it is looking to me like a keyword. Anybody want to fill me in? Are these keywords? What are they doing with this game? Jason, yes. me up. So in Dreadfane, I think we're getting our first glimpse at uh, Season 3. And the there are much more bold letter words on the cards. So, you know, and then Dreadfane being a gateway type game, the core mechanic should stay the same. So I believe that some of the things that you're seeing in Dreadfane will carry over into season three. Um, so these bold, the bold letters and then, you know, like objectives, which uh, score immediately are now called surges. Uh, and then you're going to get uh, wording on the card, like objectives, like if and, which further tightens up certain things. So if you do this and or you do that, you score this glory, which has been confusing with some of the cards in season one and season two. Um, so season three, I think we're going to sh- see the shift of the tightening of the rule set um, from that standpoint with uh, keywords uh, and defined reaction and steps so you know one of the other things in season one and two is there's not really a defined of like before the attack during the attack after the attack or change attack with any action within the game uh now in some of the cards in dreadfane we're seeing things like before the drive back step and there's actually in dreadfane a little diagram that breaks down kind of all the steps or actions that can be taken throughout the course of, of the game. So my, one of my bold predictions for season three is we will see the core mechanics come over from Dreadfane with a tightened rule set focused around keywords. I also believe that the guard mechanic that we're seeing 
with where you when you're on guard you will not be able to be driven back as i think that there's a huge boost not only to guard itself um but will help with objectives because now you can get on an objective and unless they have a ploy or a successful attack you will not be able to be pushed off of that objective um so yeah there's your your keywords and a few rules changes let me tell you, there is nothing sexier than a flowchart in a game. That's just, <laughs> oh, give me it. Man Jared, after my own heart. <laughs> Jared, are you confident that these changes are uh, a glimpse into the world of Season 3? I think it would be hard for them to not be. Like, I can't imagine releasing a, a gateway game like Dreadfane. So Dreadfane is, is similar, I think, to Blitzbowl. Um, so Blitz Bowl is the Barnes and Noble exclusive version of Blood Bowl, and I right. think it, there are a lot of the mechanics uh, in Blitz Bowl that translate directly into Blood Bowl. Um, I think it would be, uh, you know, maybe a little remiss on Games Workshop's part to release a gateway board game and then to change the rule set for what will be the eventual uh, version of the game that these, you know, that these new potential customers would be playing um yeah well i think it's pretty interesting because i think it's fairly certain that dreadfane will have a longer shelf life than any expansion of underworlds has ever had or will have because i don't see barnes and noble ordering new versions of this every six months Mm. and so the fact that dreadfane is going to be a staple product at a big box store for years to come i think means that maybe GW has kind of settled for the most part on what this rule and game system is going to look like. Of course, there'll be tweaks and changes, but it feels like they've got to be pretty confident that this is where they want the game. Yep. Uh, To me, I'm excited about the idea of there being some kind of... uh, like there's this new kind of shift in the lore of of season. They're getting out of the mirrored city and it's bleeding into a whole new realm, which means a whole new board art, whole new aesthetics, new miniatures. Trace, I know you like beastmen and elfish people, and I know you like the fantasy world. So what do you say? These models doing it for you? I mean, both aesthetic of those, doing it for you. Both of the warbands are gorgeous, um, but I think that can be said for practically every warband that they've released so far like it all has its own charm um so aesthetically like just the game in general you know gets gets our engine going um but i think you're in a whole new space now and i think you can go a lot more broad with the warbands that you have now um because they're not supposedly trapped in the mirrored city now you're out in the world so we could see, I don't know, I'm just going to throw some stuff out there. Like, you could see ogre warbands, right? Like, you could see an ogre warband, because you're in the realm of beasts now. You're in yep. Gur, the realm of beasts. Right. So, probably see a savage orc warband. Probably see... I think you mean bone splitters. Oh, excuse me. Bone splitters. Um, well, he was using savage as, like, an adjective. Those bone oh, splitters okay. are Those savage. savage orc bone splitters. Um... <laughs> I would love for them to release a Seraphon to get it. To get it you right would love. Jared. Hey, man, they came out with Blood Bowl Seraphins. So. They did, and oh my gosh, those things are sick. Um, <laughs> I, I would love for them, love to see that. 
Um, obviously, we're going to get another Stormcast warband of some kind because GW can't release anything without some Stormcast in it. Um, would like to see a Nurgle warband. Would like to see that kind of be represented since we have a Corn warband and a Zinch warband so far. Um, you know, I, I just think that you're in a very unique space now. Like the the aperture is opened to where you can allow more stuff in. Yeah, so. for sure. It's definitely a more exciting thing. I think for me, the the aesthetic of Shadespire into um, what was the the Night season Vault. two the Night, Night Vault. Vault. It it felt very samey. Mm-hmm. It's very mm-hmm. much like oh, all right, yep. Yeah, here's more ghosties and skeletons and teal boards this is pretty cool it's all pretty earthen and uh you get that bestial feel from the boards and from the miniatures and so i would be excited to see what they do miniature wise uh i'm gonna force you guys to put your nerd pride on the table and i'm gonna throw it out there i will buy an ice cream sandwich every person that gets one of these correct i'll even buy a, a double chocolate ice cream sandwich but i want one hard and fast guaranteed gonna happen prediction for season three starting with jason uh it's not gonna be hard and fast but i am i am putting it Limp all and out slow there. is also fine <laughs> no, my, something my wife also told you um, <laughs> so the my prediction is that season one and season two cards are eliminated from Ooh from the the setting now i have to elaborate on that because that's a hot topic out there on the internet and and hear me out this is what i see nothing will be invalidated gw has a long track track record of not invalidating their products you you can see this in 40k when they release the index there's still models out there today in 40k which are not in codexes i mean chaplain on bike for example there's still rules printed uh, we see that in Age of Sigmar with all the out-of-print uh, models that they still offer some way of playing those models. Um, they may not be in the full full game, but they still provide rules. You're seeing that, you know, with Warcry, where they're supporting current model ranges by releasing card packs to incorporate those model ranges into a new game. So here is my thoughts on how they're going to do the season one, season two. Bye bye. We will have a like a uh, format from a tournament standpoint where you can field anything, like an open style format, which allow hey any cards, good, valid, go have your fun. But I think that the the more traditional format that will be at the Grand Clashes will be season three with just season three universal cards, and I predict that they will re-release the cards for every single model that's out there and like repack those models like the skeletons the reavers the Stormcast, and you know in an earlier segment trace pointed out that there's 20 cards for every faction those will be the cards that are in those card packs that will allow new players to select the warband that they want to play but then they only have to collect season three universal cards well, Jason just gobbled up both mine and Jared's bold See? predictions, most Boom. likely. Got it. Yep. So, if you want an ice cream sandwich, you better come up with something new. <laughs> if I get an ice cream sandwich, I'm just going to give it to Jason anyway. <laughs> I don't know if that's a fat joke or not, but... I um, think you just made it one. So. Oh! Yep. Now we're all thinking it. 
well, I will make one, and I don't know a dang thing about this game, but I'm going to go against Trace just for funsies and say that I don't think there will be a Stormcast release for this season. Ooh. Well, and Danny just stole the other one that I was going to say, which is a joke. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I ruined yeah. my own It's thing. all good. There may not be a Stormcast release, but... Storm my bold League. prediction is that Danny will actually play this expansion. Oh! Hey, I control that one. That's a that's a wary bet, my friend. I will buy it for you. Put the <laughs> models together, and you will buy me an ice cream sandwich, which I will then give to Jason. It's such a good deal for you. <laughs> it is. But the this the, like the other reason that I think that we will not see any warband eliminated from play is because if you watch the the trailer for Beast Grave. The Stormcast, like Thunder Buddies, are um, Stormsire is yeah. yeah. There you go. They're yeah. front. They're front and center uh, on the artwork. So they're coming over. They're porting over to season three. So folks, don't get all up in arms. You'll still be able to play your warbands. I just think they needed a real easy way to introduce new players into season three, and this would solve all of that. And then, and then the warband releases will not have universal cards; they'll all go to card packs. So, I would love to see that. It'd be kind of a cool, cool way to update going forward too. Um, on top of that, because we have all this excitement with the new releases coming out this weekend, uh, was Gen Con and local friend of the podcast my lord of the rings doubles partner jim bob jimmy himmy james molini actually won the grand clash at gen con this weekend using reavers which somebody told me is kind of a big deal so i'm gonna punt this off to jason what does this mean Uh, obviously it's pretty incredible that we know somebody that won a pretty large and pretty important tournament but I've been told it means something for the overall meta of the competitive game. And I think for you, you have a special reason why it's important for this area in particular. Yeah. I mean, first off, congratulations to Jimmy. Um, You know, Jimmy has definitely uh, been uh, the top of all the leaderboards here locally, um, bringing in a lot of glass with different war bands. Uh, But for the overall meta, like reverse taking one, there has been a lot of talk that season one is, been invalidated with range and card creep, power creep, all of those things. So to take a Grand Clash back all the way to one of the first warbands released for this game um, is big, and it's even it's big for GW too. Like to to create and have the foresight and rules development to keep things still relevant. Um, so really excited to see someone win with a season one warband, uh, and then for me. And I think for us here at the podcast, it 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 solidifies just the great community with which we are intertwined with here in the Raleigh-Durham area. Like, there's a lot of great pa- players in all tabletop miniature games here uh, in, in Raleigh, and it's great to, to have them all as sparring partners on, like, weekly, monthly, or biannually basis. So um, just really happy that, that someone from a local... Local meta, local area, goes out there and, and, and gets it done in stylish fashion. <laughs> um, just so, I mean, I, I'm fairly familiar with Reavers as uh, a concept because they were out when I was still playing the game. Um, Jared, can you kind of explain what 
the challenges of, of Reavers in this current meta and why Reavers winning is kind of a surprise. Yeah, so um, in Season 2, we've seen a lot of uh, Warbands move towards either having you know, high health, uh, high defense, so multiple defense dice, so two dodge or two shields, um, or uh, like a high model count. So um, the way that Jason has run his Godsworn in the past is like he kind of uses them as a bullet. Um, so, you know, he'll throw one in there, hope it gets its job done, and then it can die, and that's fine because it's part of the plan. Um, and that works because there are six models in that warband, um, all of which can do work in different ways. Um, but, you know, their Inspire conditions are better, so a lot of them go to two dodge or go from dodge to shields. Um, I think that the reason that most people look down on the Reavers is that um, there's one four health, two three health, and two two health. And at best, you're looking at one dodge. Um, and that's uninspired or inspired. Um, I think another problem that a lot of people see is that their inspire mechanic requires three models to be out of action. So if you're fighting, you know, a, a three-model warband, well, you know, if things are going really well for you, you could wipe out the entire warband before you inspire. On the flip side, you're looking at, you know, 60% of your warband being dead before you inspire if things are going south. So... Uh, it certainly raises its challenges. I think there are some complaints about a lot of their infaction cards as well. Um, so uh, we'll leave the the you know the deck listing and all that stuff. Uh, I think uh, Jimmy's gonna go on another podcast and kind of put his deck out there uh, through other means. So we'll leave that to him. Uh, it's his property. So yeah, for uh, sure. But I'll say that um, you know I think that he has done a great job of using the resources that are available um, to create a deck that, you know, uh, that obviously worked really well and that was able to um, go up against uh, a variety of opponents. So I know he faced Molog, I know he faced Thundrix Profiteers, um, and he was able to, to overcome that. Uh, he faced Sepulchral Guard, of all things. Um, so, so, you know, I think it was doable. I think that they just got pushed down to the wayside because they haven't done anything for so long. Right, right. Well, uh, like you said, I'm sure he'll be talking about it soon and sharing his information with the community. Jason, I know you have a bit of an inside info, so without spoiling it for everybody, you want to give a teaser to what, how maybe let people try to crack this code before they listen to the podcast of what the trick was here? On the deck tech, it is more... That Jimmy, the way he designed his deck, he does not care if people die like within his warband. Um, and Jimmy is very, very efficient with activations. He understands when to push, when to pull. Um, so the deck was constructed uh, very well to fit his play style. And, and he brought back Shardgale in a real, real way. all right well you'll have to tune in once we have the information on when and where he will be appearing with that tech information we'll shoot it your way and again big congratulations to local boy jimmy killing it on the big stage winning at gen con big things happening in the underworld's universe we'll be back in a few minutes with some other gw news and fun
And we're back and uh, ready to close out the show. So once again, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, you know, we appreciate the interactions that we've gotten uh, on Facebook, all the likes and, and follows and Twitter and on on Instagram. So if you're looking for us, if you've stumbled upon us, we're Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook, Battle Mallet PCast on Instagram, and Battle Mallet One on Twitter. Who knew that Battle Mallet Podcast would be as popular a phrase as it was, but it is. So that's where you can find us. Um, if you like what you're hearing, except for those noises. Someone just fell out of their chair. <laughs> I know. Gosh. My my keyboard fell down and I tried to catch it and it did it did not go gracefully. Oh man. <laughs> Han, are you okay? <laughs> He's asleep. I'm surprised you can't hear him snoring. Nice. Um resume, sir. Yeah. yeah. Twitter <laughs> battle mallet. Battle Mallet Podcast on Facebook, Battle Mallet PCast on Instagram, Battle Mallet One on Twitter. And if you like what you're hearing and you want other people to have the opportunity to find us kind of organically, you know, as they search for random podcasts, um, leaving us reviews on Facebook and iTunes is the best way to make that happen. Um, and if you have feedback, if there's something that you would like to hear us talk about, um, something that you're tired of hearing about, or both, um, please, you know, reach out, send us a message on Facebook, you know. Add us on Twitter, right? Did I say that right, Danny? You killed it, man. You're yes. so modern. I am. I'm hip. I'm with it. Certainly not the father of two children who has no time for social media. Um, Wait a minute. Isn't that your isn't job? Isn't that your job? Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you a tech priest in real life? You've been outed. Technology <laughs> evangelist. It's not tech exactly priest. a tech priest. Tech priest. Anyway. Give us some feedback. Yeah. And if you're bored, come hang out with me in Discord. That's true. Yeah. That's Jason telling you that he's bored. So somebody go and save him. Yeah, please. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have our Discord channel. We'll probably be in it pretty regularly, uh, you know, for the next few weeks leading up to Nova as we all uh, theorycraft our Shadespire decks and work on hobby progress and just in general hang out um, after the kiddos go down slash the doggo goes down just well, i'm already asleep by then if you see me in the discord that's a lucky day that's like a shiny pokemon because i am never in there so yeah danny just beat a world boss on world of warcraft and pokes his head in and says bye trolls and then goes goes to bed that's yep. that, that is well. pretty much 100 percent of my interaction on there yep. so if you're if you're somehow a fan of me specifically which i don't believe you are but if you are good luck you ain't finding me got that privacy on lock yep i hate my fans how about that come Ooh. back gosh <laughs> you're like no. the rock from the 90s when you see him at nova just walk up and punch him in the back of the head turning full heel makes for a more interesting story guys well, that's true that's true if you can find uh, him at nova if you can find him at nova oh man yeah so um you know, lots of new stuff coming out. I know that, you know, um, collectively, 75% of us are excited about Beast Grave. We did get verbal confirmation that Danny would play Dreadfane. So mm-hmm. so that's what? good. Yeah. And uh, But we're still working on him for Warcry. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'll, we'll try to figure it out. I'm not saying anything. I've already, <laughs> I've already, I've already given up too much, all right? Don't don't push me any farther. 
So for the Battle Mallet podcast, we are three dads, and based on his opinions of the new Walker model, a man who will never put a baby in a baby carrier. (laughs) Nope. You will see Han in a Bjorn before you see a baby in a Bjorn. There we go. (laughs) The fact that he he knows Bjorn. Yep. 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 He's gonna wear one. Um, yeah, yep. totally. No man, I'm going with like I want one of those cool rappy things. That's what I'm going with. Sling rings are the best. Anyway, we digress. <laughs> that's this what is Jared. That, sling ring is what Doctor Strange uses. If that's what babies is, I'm down now, and I was not down before. This is Jared signing out. This is Trey signing out. Danny using the real sling sling ring to <laughs> out peace. <laughs> I'm Jason Table Dude Murray. Get the hell out of here. The Battle Ballot Podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. Music by Anno Domini Beats. There's a goat where you take your... never mind. I had counted down, Jason. Oh, that's, a, that's a donkey punch. That's what that is.